here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everything Evolves, the world's only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. We are a proud member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, which you can find at VoicesOfWrestling.com or on the podcast app of your choice. And we're your hosts. We're the Wrong Boys. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined by Aaron Taub. We have been called the most polite podcast in wrestling media. I think that's fair. You can see a lot of our polite thoughts uh, at Evolve Pod on Twitter or at my Twitter at Aaron Like the Car or at Aaron Taub at AP Taub. Aaron, do you think we're a uh, particularly polite podcast? Um, and more or less, you know, yeah. nine times this, out of ten. Did Who you call us that on Twitter? No, uh, I think it was uh, Trinidad Chains. Did they add us. Yeah, like uh, I think it's when I was asking Gabe and Evolve oh, yeah, 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 yeah. issues, and uh, Trinidad Chains thought I was very polite in the way that yeah. I think of them once they fixed it. Yeah, I think that. Um, yeah, we're polite guys. We have manners. You're from the yeah. south, for sure. You know about those things. That's right. Okay, so uh, now that that's out of the way, we are here to give you a rundown of what happened at Evolve this weekend. Sorry that we are about one day late, but both of us had plans on Monday night, so we had to push this back a day. But I'm sure everyone is still uh, fiending for the wrong boys' takes on this Evolve weekend, Evolve 96 and Evolve 97. Overall, AT, what do you come out of this weekend uh, with your big takeaways? Well, I feel good about this promotion. I feel like they um, established themselves and set some things up. And it was two uh, good, solid shows. I think that the the first night kind of uh, did not meet the expectations I had for going in, but it was still a, a good show. And also I had some wonky technical issues that we'll, we'll talk about later that night. So I, I don't know. My perception of the show was, was skewed by sort of how I watched it. And then I thought the second night was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. And I thought the main event, the second, like they sent, they sent me home happy is really, I think, the big thing that I would say. I thought the second night, the main event with uh, Jaka versus Zack Sabre Jr. was was excellent. So, yeah, I feel good. I feel like you, I feel like you have some more in-depth, um, better formulated thoughts about what you took from this weekend. So I think you should talk about them. 
Well, the, the wrestling itself was kind of on the back burner for me this weekend. It was all good. There was, there was nothing that was bad on these shows. Uh, there wasn't that much that was great until, like you said, the, the very last match of the weekend with Zack Sabre Jr. and uh, Jaka. But there was lots of really good stuff. But the thing that I'm most excited about after this weekend, I feel like uh, Evolve and Evolve promoter Gabe Sapolsky started to establish a real hierarchy in this promotion. It's something that we have complained about in the past, that everybody kind of seems to be bunched up together in this promotion. Coming out of this weekend, I feel like we have a really good idea of who exactly is on top, which they've always been pretty good at showing us who's at the top of the promotion. But now we got a better idea of who's right below those guys, who's right below those guys, and who's at the bottom of the card. That's something I really appreciate. And it, it a lot of times you go into these matches that involve, and this isn't always a bad thing, thinking uh, either of these guys could win this match. Even when it's guys who seem more at the top of the card and guys who are at the bottom of the card. I think coming out of this weekend, Evolve told us that there are some guys who are going to lose to other guys and uh, some guys who just aren't on the same level as other guys, which I like. That's cool for me. And part of what they did by uh, building this hierarchy is create a lot of freshness, a lot of new matches that I'm excited for. Now, some of that was helped was that they brought in some new faces. AR Fox is a new face in the promotion. DJ Z, I didn't expect to be back, and now he's back, and there's some matches that I'm excited to see him in. Uh, and, of course, they added some preliminary talent. Did you did you get the same type of feel that I did of, like, some clear delineations between tiers of talent in Evolve? Yeah, we're starting to see it. I think, obviously, some guys, you know, Darby Allen seemed to be moving up the card in terms of his 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 big victories and um, two big wins for him. And then, uh, you know, we started to see Jason Kincaid kind of slipping down into the prelims. Um, yeah, I think that you, you saw um, kind of, yeah, some more stratification. Definitely we saw kind of they seem to have Austin Theory right there, right beneath Darby Allen, um, kind of at the same level as a Fred Yehi. Um, so yeah, it's fascinating. I, I think we're we're still waiting to see where certain guys will will fall out. I think it was a very quiet weekend for for Tracy Williams, who was kind of almost lost in the shuffle this weekend. It seemed like there was more focus on his catch point uh, teammates, Jaka and Chris Dickinson, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of where he slots in. But otherwise, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's definitely a much better sense of of where different guys stand and who should be able to beat whom. Uh, coming out of this weekend. And I think that, that makes it like, you know, now match, matches have more meaning when you kind of have an idea of who should and shouldn't win them. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Gabe mentioned in just the great piece by Justin Barrasso of sportsillustrated.com. Uh, Gabe mentioned in that piece that maybe he'd become bored a little bit in his booking, the way that he was uh, putting together Evolve shows. And... Now, when you look back after seeing the booking this weekend, you can really see where Gabe's coming from when he says that. This showed a lot more care, a lot more attention paid to uh, matchups and longer-term stories and just planting some seeds for stuff that can happen in the future, which I liked. The other big thing that happened this weekend was uh, the addition 
of these three preliminary matches at the beginning of each card. They are 10-minute time limit matches featuring some, some guys we've seen before in this promotion, but all guys who are uh, seen by Evolve at least as up-and-coming talents. You were high on this idea coming into the shows. I was not. I was down on it for sure. Uh, you may have prevailed in your in your take on these. Uh, were you happy with how they played out? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was kind of funny too, though. I didn't expect that they were going to be so explicit about them being preliminary matches. I thought it was just like, we're just going to have three more matches on the show. But it was sort of very like delineated that it was like, these are the first three matches of the show. These are the preliminary matches. They're 10 minute time limits. You know, we're having a different announce crew for them. So I thought that was interesting and kind of weird. Like you could have just had the matches and had them go like wrestling fans know to expect that the first match on the card isn't going to be, you know, a 40 minute epic, you know, but, but yeah, I was happy with it. We, we got to see some new talent and some guys came out of it uh, really shining. I, I think that um, KTB and Shane Mercer, that tag team looks great. I think they're ready to just be in this tag team division at this point. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. See, I, I actually, and I came into it not excited about this idea, but I like the delineation. I like the 10 minute time limit. I think that's great. And it, we'll talk more about Jason Kincaid and how he fits in, but the fact that he kind of seems to have been pushed down a little bit, I think it's cool that there'll be this real line of you're either above this line or you're below this line. And, uh, so I kind of liked that aspect to it. It is a little weird with like a different announced crew and different ring announcers even. I mean, everything has changed. That's a little, that's whatever. I'm not against that. It's fine. But overall, I thought this was really cool, especially the way they focused on this 10-minute time limit and then that came into play before the weekend was over. So that was cool. Yeah, it's like they kind of have promotion and relegation in wrestling. Right. Which is great. Every everyone who follows, I think, soccer and countries other than the United States, it's like really exciting when there's two teams at the bottom of the standings, and it's like who's going to go up and who's going to go down, and yeah, it creates stakes. For me, that's like the one of the most important things in wrestling is stakes, um, giving me a reason to care about the outcome of the matches. And we'll talk later about how you know in instances where it happens when it works. I mean, that's I don't know. That's why I watch. Is, is to give a shit about what happens in these matches. And so, um, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, and if they can find a way to make the outcomes of these preliminary matches important, not just in the, oh, here's some cool guys that I haven't seen before, or I like this guy, I want to see what he can do, but for them to have the the real stakes that are like, okay, this guy gets to move up to the featured card, uh, this guy's going to get a shot at whoever. Like, that could be really cool. And they teased that there's going to be some of that. Well, they did that um, with with uh, Shane Mercer and KTB. Won their match sure. the first night and, and looked dominant. And then they got moved up uh, to the main card against the Workhorsemen. For sure. So, so I guess I, what I would have said is it would have been cool going into the match if they okay. said. Right. The but, winner of this match. Right. But now... We've been we've been conditioned by the promotion going forward that if someone looks particularly impressive on the preliminary matches, we might see them moved up to the main card. So it has the same effect. For sure. All right. Well, let's go from there right into the preliminary matches on Evolve 96. You gave us a few of your 
overall thoughts on the show. Mine are pretty similar. I mean, we all had really high expectations for this card, for the uh, featured part of the card, and it, it didn't really meet it, or didn't really meet them, unfortunately. And we'll go into those matches more as we go on. But it's it's funny because I came out of Evolve 96 like uh, kind of down on the Evolve weekend in general, even though I thought they did some cool stuff story-wise. And, uh, but after 97, I'm like kind of jazzed again. So it was really cool. Anyway, the first uh, match on Evolve 96 uh, in Queens at the Elm Corps Center, no mention of Heatgate on the show or uh, even on Twitter around the show, really. The first match, Dominic Garini defeated Joey Lynch by submission with uh, what he calls the Mighty Mouse, which is a German suplex into a cross arm breaker. Any strong thoughts on uh, the opening match, AT? I think it's cool that he's taken the uh, the Demetrius Johnson real-life UFC spot and made it his own. And I thought both guys looked good. I thought Lynch looked strong and athletic and seemed like he had some cool moves. And uh, and I thought Garini... I like that Garini just comes out and goes right after you at the beginning of the match. Like, this big, lumbering guy like comes and tries to kick you and choke you out as fast as he can. And, uh, yeah, this was a fun little match. And uh, Joey Lynch got a nice little please come back chant. Um, Timothy Barr thought that they were yelling at him and saying, you tapped out. <laughs> yeah. And then Trevin Adams had to be like, no, no, no. You know, they're saying boo earns, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Funny. That was a funny little moment. And, uh, yeah, a totally serviceable, quick opener. Yeah, I, I'm not that high on Garini to this point, and I haven't gotten to see him really do his thing, so I'm going to hold back on that. But they're trying to present him as a real real badass, a real shooter, and it hasn't. I haven't gotten there with that yet. I mean, clearly the guy could uh, beat the piss out of me in a real fight and a lot of people, but I'm not sure that that's come across the screen on Evolve yet. Uh, Joey Lynch, I thought, looked really smooth and good, just like a a good professional wrestler. Right. It's like, oh, you seem ready. You can do ma- yes. you can do more ma- matches here. You can be a like you're definitely qualified to be on these prelims and to continue doing this. Absolutely. I was yeah. like, yeah, this guy's really good. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a pretty good match. So the next match, the aforementioned Shane Mercer and Kyle the Beast took on Stevie Fierce and Matt Nix from Freelance Wrestling. Uh, you know, obviously the promotion thought it was impressive. You liked them, AT, but what stood out to you in this match? Yeah, I mean, Shane Mercer and Kyle the Beast are just a good team. I mean, Shane, I think they really, I think it seems like they're pretty high on Shane Mercer. It seemed like both, in both matches that we saw, it seemed like the matches were put together to show off his strength, which is awesome. Like, it's, he's just really, really strong. And he's not a guy who looks like he would be extremely strong when you just look at him. But he's really, I mean, I don't know. You just shrug your shoulders, but I don't know. He's like big, but he doesn't look like, I don't know. Well, he's not, I don't think he's that tall. Right. But he's definitely like, he's ripped up. Yeah. And so, yeah, his strength is great. And he's just tossing guys around. I thought KTB, we saw him at Joey Janela. He was one of the breakout stars of Joey Janela's spring break. For sure. Um, And he looked great there. Yeah, he had and, a great match with Sammy Callahan on that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's really good. And, and I thought that they – it seems like they have pretty good chemistry as a team too. Um, you know, they they finished the match with, um, you know, KTB basically sort of like suplexing 
Stevie Fierce from the apron into Shane Mercer's arms. And then he went and hit that moonsault and battery, uh, moonsault follow a slam uh, for, for the win. So, yeah, I thought that they looked really good. Not the most impressive effort for the the freelance boys. It just it seemed like just both of these matches they just didn't quite. And we've been, you know, I thought Stevie Fierce looked great the last time we saw him, but I thought that on these shows, this team, it just seemed like they didn't quite click as a team. It seemed like um, they're still sort of figuring out what their kind of like character should be as a team. Um, and then there was like one or two spots that just like didn't look. There's one moment too, and this may have been you know, KTB and Shane Mercer's fault. But there was one um, moment where it was like Mercer was like suplexing Matt Ni- uh, Matty Nix and then he had his like, he just kind of like held his arm out to do a clothesline and Stevie Fierce just ran into him and it just didn't look, it didn't look good. It looked like that, like that shouldn't hurt Stevie Fierce. I don't know. That was kind of an awkward spot. And it just didn't seem like, um, I don't know. They they weren't as sharp as as Nixon Fierce weren't as sharp as we'd seen them be in the past. What did, what are your thoughts? There was quite a bit of weirdness in the match of just it seemed like transitioning from spot to spot, and you know I have no clue who's to blame for that, but there was a lot of that in between moves. Um, now you are, I don't know if if Fierce and Nix have worked together outside of evolving. They're in the same promotion, but I have no I don't think Mercer and and KTB have worked together. So you know it's kind of it's understandable that there would be some issues here. I will say, in this match and his match uh, the next night, Fierce did not get a lot of chances to be on offense. A lot of his was selling. And I thought he did a great job in this match of making Mercer and Kyle the Beast look really good. I thought he sold their offense excellently. And uh, you know he didn't really get a chance to, to go after them. He was kind of playing the chicken shit heel, which I thought he did a really good job of. So... I like that, and you know, on that same level, like you said, I mean, Mercer and Kyle the Beast were great. I mean, it made a ton of sense for them to move on to the main card the next night. I'm I've been a big Shane Mercer fan for a couple of years now since I first saw him. I'd be remiss if I didn't add that he's from Lexington, Kentucky, of course. And uh, go blue. That's right, go big blue. So you know, I'm a big Shane Mercer fan already, but it's like. This uh, this promotion is clearly very high on Mercer, and I feel like this was his first national, uh, the first time he got a really big look on a national promotion, and I wouldn't be surprised if he really takes off in 2018. I think there's yeah. a good chance of that. I mean, so. I think this is two consecutive Evolve weekends where it's like, oh yeah, Shane Mercer looked good again. He's yeah. good. One of the most impressive things about him to me is on that moonsault and battery, he got him up, but it was for a second. I thought he was going to lose him, but he's so strong that he was able to save it. It never looked bad. It looked great. And then to finish off the move, I mean, he's, he looks really good. So I'm excited to see more of him going forward. The last of the preliminary matches, Jared 120 defeats Stephen Wolf, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm not getting on the Jared bandwagon. Sorry to say. I really like Stephen Wolf, but Jared did the exact same matches or the exact same moves that he did last Evolve weekend and the exact same moves that he did on Evolve 97. And uh, 
I just don't care. Well, they plugged the YouTube channel, which was great. It was great to see you down and get some time. And uh, Jarek has a new manager, uh, his lovely magician's assistant, Candy Cartwright. So I think that's like, I think it's like a cool little act they have going there. He has his like weird mask. I don't know. I'm like, I'm not ready to be on the Jarek bandwagon, but he was all right. Like, I thought this was fine. I thought he looked better the next night against Jason Kincaid. We'll talk about that. I thought this match was like, okay. It didn't like, I don't know. I don't really have too many thoughts about it. In my notes, I just wrote, it was fine. Yeah, I wrote fine, but Jared does nothing for me. So, yeah, they're pretty much. Uh, did you think this was a weird time to debut a only the second woman in the promotion who is literally just there to be in a small dress that shows off her breasts? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like... Hmm. Like, it makes sense. I get the act. It makes a ton right. of sense. It makes sense for this guy who you can't stand to have, like, an attractive valet, right? Yeah, for sure. It just um, seemed, like, tone-deaf to the moment. Yeah, kind of. But I don't know. It's like... She didn't talk. I mean, you know, like... Right, right. No, she doesn't talk. She just kind of, like, stands right. there. Well, well, maybe you give her a microphone and she introduces she him or, you know. Something. Yeah, she interfered a little, right? She was a distraction. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, exactly. yeah, no, but, right. But, but no, I mean, she's, you know, it's not, like, right. a, uh, you know, not a female character with, like, a ton of agency. Um, right. No, you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, but... uh but yeah, I mean, it's just tough with wrestling because it's just like, I don't know. It's like that sort of like the male gaze is everywhere. I don't know. Like, it's like, like, yeah, in this moment where we're having this whole conversation around sexual assault and sexual harassment and sexual abuse, like, um, yeah, it's probably not like the most woke thing you can do. But I didn't think of it as being like, like, I wasn't offended by it. No, the only the only problem yeah. I really had was commentary, you know, really pointing out how good she looked in this dress. And I was like, all right, let's probably let's be cool on that. Yeah, I mean, I missed that. I, I probably yeah, it's like. If I had caught that, I'd probably be like, eh, not not like the best moment for the yeah. like the intensity, like the intense, like explicit male gaze. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that. Yeah. Anyway. It would be like cool if at some point we got a female character in this promotion who like talked yeah. and was and we were meant to cheer for them and like they like had some personality. Even if they're not gonna have women's matches, you could have like a female manager or character who was like cool and good and smart and thoughtful and funny or whatever. Right. I mean even yeah. Joanna seems to be going. Yeah, two weekends in a row, no Joanna, which is sad. Bad news. Really bad news. Yeah, I thought she did a good job ring announcing. Um, oh, she was great. Yeah, yeah so she's uh, – I don't know if she's out for good, but no, – Because last month they said, like, for Joanna Rose, who's, like, not here, you know, when they signed off. But this time I don't think they said that, so I don't know if she's gone. But uh, I got to say yeah. she was gone, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay, so that takes us into the main card. Uh, and interestingly enough, this is about the time I got to start watching the show on the first night live. 
I caught up with the other matches later. But this was amazing. So now I did go a little bit close to bell time and ordered the show. And, uh, you know, if you if you bought the show, you go in, you I mean, it's kind of difficult to navigate this website anyway, but you find the show, you purchase it. Then you got to click on my WWN and then on digital purchases. And it shows all the things you've ever bought. Apparently, if you're Aaron Taub, it shows that you bought a Kurt Hawkins shoot interview, which whatever. That's like, you know, different people buy different things. I'm sure you're going through a tough time. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that's when you know you're like kind of like dealing with a little depression and that it's time to reevaluate things. Not only did I watch the Kurt Hawkins shoot interview, like I paid for it. I didn't steal it off a torrent (laughs) site or anything. I was like, no, like this is I'm paying for this. And I didn't even finish all of it. I watched like half of it and I was like, oh, this is so boring. Like kind of like halfway through, I kind of was like, oh, we've like really kind of hit rock bottom here. <laughs> it's like really time to like sort of reevaluate like how much wrestling is going to part be a part of my life, you know, where you're just like, yeah, this is a great hobby, but I like probably don't need to be watching, you know, the Kurt Hawkins shoot interview. I bought the DVD of the... Chris Hero, like my year in wrestling interview with Rob Naylor. Oh, did you ever see anything about that? No. How was it? It rules. It was like last year, you know, it was clear. Like when you look back now, it's clear that he was leaving the Indies and he knew that. So he wanted to do this cool thing. Mm -hmm. And so he just had a notebook and went through every match he worked that year and talked about like getting it set up and little stories about the people he worked with or anything that happened on that trip. And uh, it was fascinating. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Like, I, did you get some good? At some point, I hope you'll like share the insights that you learned about Evolve. Oh yes, um, I'll be happy on to this show. That. Yeah, of course. At some point, I should have insights about Evolve on this show. Yeah, and so yeah, right. <laughs> good. <laughs> All right. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I, I would click on uh, digital purchases, and there's there's no Evolve '96. It's just not showing up, right? So I do what any young man in 2017 does. And I start tweeting at people to ask them what's going on. Why can't I load this up? Is this a conspiracy against the wrong boys? And uh, dear listeners, no one would respond to me. I, I added Gabe Sapolsky. I added WWN Evolve, WWN Live. I thought about adding Lenny Leonard. I was just going everywhere. Nobody cared. Nobody responded. I sent an email on the support tab on the website. Nothing. I even DM'd Gabe. I was like, Gabe, can you fix this for me, big man? I know we've been through a lot. We have. We have. But, you know. But I'm trying to pay for your product. So let me watch it. Nothing. Okay. So about halfway through Zach and DJZ, it magically shows up. I keep clicking it, you know, waiting for it to show up. It shows up. Then my man Gabe gets on Twitter and he's like, oh, hey, I haven't been on Twitter. Is the stream working for everyone? (laughs) (laughs) It rules. People and everyone in wrestling has a posters mentality. We've said it on the show before. (laughs) And that's, uh, that's some primo trolling. Yeah, I retweeted it. 
You got to so tip, you gotta tip so you your cap. Yeah. But I wanted him to know that I knew. So I hit him with a retweet. But mm. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Anyway. All right. We move into the the main portion of the card. And uh, to break this up, which I thought was smart, they have Zach cut a promo. And Zach basically says, look, I know in 2018, this company is uh, all about building new stars, but there are no new stars. And he starts to say, until you beat me. And he changes his mind and says, until you can even show that you can hang with me. And I guess the, the big takeaway line from this promo was, Zach said, I am the barometer. So it kind of told us what we were going to see going forward in these Zach matches. And it played out in the very first match, uh, non-title match, Zach against DJZ. Zach ultimately gets the victory with the European clutch. And I thought this really, the point of this match was to show that DJZ could hang with Zach Sabre Jr. He's on that level. Is that what you took from the match? Yeah, for sure. Definitely one of the things, you know, as far as like he was able to sort of trade hold with him on the mat. And yeah, this was a good match. I don't think it quite got to like a very like a, a, like a high sort of dramatic um, closing stretch. Like it didn't really like it wasn't like an incredible match where it got to like there weren't. Yeah, this is not a great match review on my part but like there weren't a lot of like dramatic near falls it didn't really sort of reach that that fever pitch of intensity that you like to see in like a, a truly great match but i thought it was very good it was fun they they you know it was good to see djz hang with him um yeah i thought it was a good a good back and forth match with two guys who are clearly very talented and very smooth and um i'm enjoying djz i like when he points to the music director and has them play his air horns you know i think he's cool I just love I love a Zach match where he gets pissed off and decides to focus in on a body part, which he did in this match and really went after uh, DJZ's arm. I thought what brought down the match and this until uh, Zach and Jaka, this was my favorite match of the weekend. So it tells you kind of what I thought here. But I thought what brought it down was there wasn't DJZ's selling wasn't as compelling. Uh, as the match went on, like there's that moment where, you know, Zach gets him in an arm bar again. And then after that, you feel like DJZ should have been, you know, it should have been like death and his arm really should have been in trouble. But uh, that's not what we saw. And I know Zach does a lot of these matches where he wins with like this back bridge of doom, but maybe it wouldn't have made sense story wise. But I would have liked to have seen it with the story inside the match to have ended with some sort of arm uh, arm bar or, or something like that to really pay off the story. But the story they were telling was that DJZ could hang with him, not the story that I wanted them to tell. So that's fine. The next match was Jason Kincaid against the debuting AR Fox. And not only AR Fox, but with his entire posse, which I really enjoyed. Uh, 
like, did you not think that this was one of the freshest things to come to evolve in a long time? Like this group of people? Oh yeah. I love it. I love AR Fox and his posse. I love how they come out and like jump up and down and put their hand, their fingers in the air. Like I love his arrogance. I love his like cool theme song. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on board with AR Fox. I thought he was, I, yeah, I thought he was a lot of fun this weekend. I thought this match was solid. I like that they kind of like, um, it seems like he's using the handshake spot at the beginning of the match to like establish his character and that of the, uh, his opponent in both matches this weekend. Like with this one with uh, Jason Kincaid, like forcing him to do a handshake and then putting his hands, putting Fox's hands like a prayer, uh, prayer hands. Um, so yeah, this was cool. Um, it was a, it was kind of um, just like, I liked, you know, seeing them do their weird offense to each other. Um, and just everything Fox does looks really, really, like, sharp and forceful and smooth, I guess. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, I mentioned on Twitter that I don't catch a lot of AR Fox matches for whatever reason. And it really stuck out to me how athletic he is watching this. I was like, wow. Like, this guy is a he's a high-level athlete. I don't know what his athletic background is, if any. But I feel like he's somebody who could have been a high-level uh, college athlete. Don't really know. And, but, you know, he got showed off with that cool, the low main pain, uh, and then into a 450, and that's how he won the match. I did think, and this is just a Kincaid issue for me, but a lot of the match did seem to be at about three-quarter speed. Um, it's just some weird transition-y stuff, but I, I think that's just what you get in a Jason Kincaid match. Yeah. And the other thing I want to point out is I, I like that like AR Fox has this posse of people that come to the ring with him and he uses them in cool spots. Like when King Kincaid hit like a spring, like kind of like an over the ropes, like springboard stunner or something like, you know, something to that effect. I, I don't think I described it correctly, but like into the posse. And then the night, the next night we saw more of that. Like, I like that. It's like, Oh, you have this cool group of, you have this group of people on the outside. Why not like work them into like a really fun, fresh and creative dive spot of some sort. But how does, how does payment work in this situation? Like Gabe is booking AR Fox. Does AR Fox say, yeah, but you gotta, I'm going to do this whole act with my entourage. And they got to get paid, or I mean, is he splitting his his fee? What's going on here? Well, I think one of them, the woman Ayla, Ayla Fox, I assume is his wife, right? Uh, I have no idea, but I got the same thought too. Yes, right, yeah. So maybe she's like, "All right, like I'm going to the shows with Bay. You know, I'm just gonna, <laughs> you know, I can do this." For-. And I think the other people are like some of his students maybe oh, okay let's well, that check sense. let's see he's a trainer of a wrestling school in in atlanta and i think that's where the posse comes from okay you think he, 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 he trained us in theory yeah so maybe these are guys who are students and they're getting a little um you know part of their yeah yeah yeah, yeah. part they're of their deal is to, getting play part they're of getting to be a part of this act they get yeah. to meet people that would be my guess of the situation but yeah i think he's based in atlanta because that's where the school is so you're a big fan of like unpaid internships or what? Whoa! <laughs> Turned it around on me. <laughs> yeah, well, I was a member of the media class, right? Yeah, I just love, love them That's unpaid right. internships. Um, That's right. All right. So uh, at the end of this, after this match, we got the 
battle of the breakout stars. And Darby Allen emerged victorious as he defeated Austin Theory with The Last Supper. Did this feel like a battle of breakout stars? Yeah, for the most part. I thought that, um, well, this is kind of where like my, uh, my like technical issues kind of were interesting in that like, so I, wa- I usually watch shows on my computer, but this time I decided to watch a show. Like I wasn't able to watch a show live because I had a birthday party. And so I was watching it like um, Sunday morning at like 7.30 in the morning. I started watching it and I was Chromecasting it to my TV but I didn't want to wake up my girlfriend because I just, I feel like that would be the end of our relationship. If like she was woken up at eight in the morning to independent wrestling. And so I have, I have these like little head, I bought these headphones specifically for watching wrestling, which are basically, they use like a radio frequency to connect to the television. Um, and so the, like the sound was, not coming through correctly like it wasn't tuned to the television properly and so i just turned out i wasn't getting all the sound and so the crowd reactions to me were muted not like totally like mute but just like not as loud as they would have been like when i went back and watched the show on my computer things were louder so i couldn't tell like how into this the crowd was i guess but i thought that or at least at the end. Like, I think at the the first, like, two-thirds of this match, I thought were great. I thought Darby had great intensity. I loved Theory, like, throwing him into the post. I thought that this match was just, like, yeah, these are, like, Darby's so good. Like, when he's yelling and when he's screaming in Priscilla Kelly's face and he's fired up, I thought he he just looked great. Um, and I thought that this was a really good match for most of it. But then the end just didn't quite click. I thought that, for instance, when Darby kicked out of, the theory KO. I thought that that should have been a big moment, but it didn't feel like they built to it properly. So like it felt sort of abrupt. So when it happened, I was like, Oh, I guess that's the end of the match. Like it seems kind of random, but then when he kicked out, I was like, Oh, I guess that makes sense. Instead of being like, Oh man, that's the finish. Oh no. You know, he kicks out, you know? So I, I thought that it didn't just like, it felt like the finishing stretch just wasn't quite uh, there. But I, and it didn't seem like the crowd popped that big for that kick out. Can you like what was your perception of how they responded to it? I just well, I'm not sure about that particular spot, but I did feel like what I got was that the crowd really loved Darby. Like, I feel like he is a beloved figure in this promotion at this point, which is what they're going for. You know, he's the like, a big, huge underdog and uh, easy for guys like you and me to get behind Darby and get excited for him. Tough when he's going to, when his, he's on a collision course with Zack Sabre Jr., but Zack does seem to be taking on more of a harder edge. So I think that is meant to play against Darby and his story coming up through the ranks. So I thought this was a, a very good, well, very good might be pushing it, but a really good match. Um, what I really liked about it from a story perspective was that Theory basically loses the match because Priscilla Kelly wants him to take Darby uh, up top to do like a super Theory KO after the first one doesn't work. So we get this real uh, this real split between this match and the match the next night of that shows us how important Priscilla Kelly is to Austin Theory. 
and how she the huge role that she plays in his success. So I thought that was the really interesting part of this to me, but also that I don't know. I've been up and down on Darby Allen just because I really liked the story with him of, you know, I'm going to become a, a real serious wrestler so that people take me seriously and I'm going to take on Zack Sabre Jr. I didn't really see it building in the way I wanted it to. But starting with this match and the mini doc that they put out before this match, like I can feel myself really starting to get behind this guy and really being excited to see the rest of his rise and his eventual match with Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, he's really getting there. Yes. He's really, really getting there. And at first, when he was first calling out Zack Sabre Jr. way back at that show, at those shows in, I think, in Chicago in May, uh, after Zack Sabre Jr. beat Ethan Page, it was like, this is absurd. But now it's like closer and closer. You're like, yeah, I'm ready for this match. This, this is legit. I'm ready to see it. It'll be good. Yeah, and he deserves... Uh, the Lions share the credit for the improvements that he's made. But I think Gabe deserves some credit for uh, seeing this, like seeing in Darby enough to put him on the path of getting to challenge Zach eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And the mini docs have, I think it's like yeah, two guys. Kenny that Johnson like, deserves a lot of. Yeah, shout out to Kenny. And I feel like Darby Allen and, and Jason Kincaid are kind of the two guys in the promotion now that Ethan Page is gone who are like most committed so uh, doing work on their own time to cut promos and send in mini docs. And it makes them, they're much more compelling characters as a result. I, you know, I just, there should be more promos and more stuff like that, that sort of gets across these people's characters and, and makes you invest in them. I wonder if we'll get more of that now that this does seem to be a new era uh, of storytelling in this promotion. So I wonder if we'll get a little more of that as we go forward. I hope so. I was also going to say, I agree with you about the match layout, but we got to remember these are two very new young wrestlers. So yeah, they're not putting together uh, a five-star match yet, but uh, they're both really making a lot of progress and are two guys that I look forward to watching every Evolve weekend. For sure. Okay. So after this, it was supposed to be intermission and you know, they start running the mini docs and whatnot, as they usually do during intermission. And apparently what happened during this was that William Regal came out and cut a promo about that Darby, Allen, and Austin Theory were on their way to being breakout stars in 2018, but mentioned that for them to really cash in on that, they would have to win titles in 2018. Now, First, let's just say, like, didn't you feel that it was teased that Regal was going to be on camera? I don't know if it was teased that he was going to be on camera, but it definitely seemed like it was going to be something more important and impactful than just being like, you guys are good. You know? Right. I mean, I don't know. I got the sense that what they were trying to get across was that if one of these guys could win a title, they would probably get a shot in NXT or... You know, that it was like a way that there was another road for them to cross that was all that was holding them back from getting a shot uh, with WWE in some way. I don't know if I was supposed to take it that way, but I did. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't take it that way, but that that makes sense. Yeah, but it definitely like we talked about it on the last show. It seemed like Regal was going to do something 
really important. And yeah, I made a point, remember? I was like yes. super obnoxious about it. I was like, <laughs> hey, you have to tell him about like, you know, what we saw in the, the Justin Barrasso piece about how this can be a super important moment. Oh, um, yeah. Our pal Justin did talk about that, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. Well, it wasn't important. That scoop didn't work out. Um, so we cut. We come back, like cutting through intermission, and Jason Kincaid is in the ring cutting a promo on Austin Theory. And uh, my friend, this promo was uh, – it, it rhymed. He spoke in rhymes. I thought that I wasn't interested in Jason Kincaid. And then I heard him do a promo that rhymed. And now I just, uh, I'm not sure if his death or my death would be more satisfying at, at that very moment as I'm watching that. I'm not sure which would have made me feel better. That's savage. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. It was very, it was um, so bad. It was very, uh, like freshman dorm. You know, it was like yeah. a guy in your freshman dorm, kind of just like. Yeah, I think he's doing a slam poet gimmick. Yeah. And uh, it's, so it's super like a freshman dorm. Maybe that's where he's, I mean, think about it. He's like a white dude with uh, like, you know, not dreads, but like, uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. But you know what? Everybody knows what I mean. So he's that. He looks like he smells of patchouli. Um, he's like going through this spiritual phase. What if Jason Kincaid is like a college freshman? What if that's his gimmick? Yeah. I, you know, it's like the other stuff has really, a lot of the other stuff he's done has really connected with me, but this was like a little too much for me. I think. Yeah, it was bad. Um, so he seems to start to snap. Like we're finally going to see Kincaid reach his breaking point by the end of this because he's so broken up about uh, what theory is becoming with Priscilla Kelly. And he looks like he's about to really lose it. And he goes in like he's going to attack theory, but Priscilla Kelly is in front of theory. And Kincaid realizes that he's about to hit Kelly and, uh, you know, kind of backs away from that, leaves the ring. Like he's really frightened at how close he was to the edge. Um, that was fine, I guess, but he'd already ruined it for me with the with the rhyming promo. Any thoughts on on this segment other than what we've already like said? We, I guess I feel like we covered it. Yeah, okay. I mean, All I right. like the general like sort of like broad strokes of the story, and I and I thought that like some of the other stuff was good, but the, yeah, yeah. All right, Evolve Tag Team Championship match: Jaka and Tracy Williams taking on James Drake and Anthony Henry. Important to note from the start that. Tracy Williams is replacing Chris Dickinson, who was suspended for the weekend for uh, his actions regarding uh, Rob Killjoy at the previous Evolve weekend. Um, So this match goes to a no contest because the end interferes. I want to quickly say on this whole Chris Dickinson thing, don't you think it's really weird for them to refer on commentary to the fact that he's being suspended? Like, they're referring so um, so prominently to why he's being suspended when it's like, what? so you're telling me that this is fake? <laughs> right, I hated that. It was yeah. like, because it was like, because they're like the incident, you know, with their match, you know, 
couple months ago and it's like okay but like you don't say what the incident is the people who know what the incident is are like oh yeah like the the real life thing that happened of him like beating up this wrestler for real for a couple seconds like i don't know make something up you can make up anything you could film a segment where he like you know i know he does whatever right there's like it's your world you're creating it you can make up any reason you want for him not being on these shows it just feels like kind of lazy to be like uh, Chris Dickinson is suspended for, uh, you know, the thing. He's suspended it was just for, like, like, actually hitting someone. Right. It's like, I, yeah, it was like he was kicking too much ass, you know. <laughs> we throw him out. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it made no, it was, it was yeah. dumb and lazy. And, and one of those things where you're like, where you're like, I don't know. Come on, man. Tie up your loose ends. Cross your T's. Dot your I's. Come up with a reason for why this guy's suspended. They did not do that. Yeah. Instead, we got a decent little match that was broken up when uh, when the end came out. What do you think about this match before the end interfered? Um, it felt like it didn't really click with me. I guess it just felt like a lot of moves. I guess I remember thinking, I'm like, what even is like? I remember just thinking, like, I was like. In the middle of the match, I was like, what's the story of this match? Like, what kind of what's going on here? What, like, what are my thoughts? And I was like, I don't really, it's just kind of happening. I don't know. It didn't feel like there was, like, nothing was, like, stood out as bad, but it didn't really, I wasn't really captivated by it. And then when the end ran, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. I guess they were just, like, doing whatever they had to do until the big run-in came. Yeah, I guess it was the expectations game for me because I was afraid Tracy was going to slow this down and make it into a match that I don't like. And when it was kind of fast-paced, I really enjoyed it. I was like, oh, cool. Like, Tracy's not slowing this down. And Tracy's really cool when he's not, like, spending, you know, Triple H amounts of time on a leg and he's just kind of being, like, hard-hitting and fast-paced and doing his thing. Like, he can be really cool. So I, I was enjoying that. So I was kind of bummed when the end came out, but I thought this turned into a pretty cool little segment where uh, the end comes out. And then, of course, Chris Dickinson pops out and uh, kind of lays out the end, which I was like, whoa, are we burying the end this quickly? But instead, it turned into a, a really cool brawl between uh, the end, Jaka and Tracy and Chris Dickinson and the workhorsemen. So everybody was kind of going at each other. Did you like when it actually turned into the brawl? Did you like it better than you did the match? Yeah. I mean, I think it, like what for a guy who was like supposedly suspended for real life bad behavior, like they made Chris Dickinson look like a huge star here. When he comes in and hits those big German suplexes on the two on uh on Odinson and Perot, these two giant dudes, like he kind of got like the stone cold Steve Austin push this weekend as, as far as being like this anti-authority dude who like is angry and runs in and like looks like a badass and a killer. Uh, so that was cool. Like I, I was like, Oh, I was like fire. I was like, Oh, that was a sick run in. And then the brawl was intense and heated. And, you know, it was good that, uh, I think that at this point, the end left standing tall after they did not at the last couple of shows. And uh, yeah, it was a good fiery schmozzy all over the place brawl. I bet it was a lot of fun live. Cause it was like watching, you know, from home, it was like, you know, you couldn't follow all the action at once. And it was all just kind of happening all over the venue. Um, so yeah, I thought that this was a good segment and I, and I thought Dickinson, you know, like 
I don't know. We'll talk about the next night too, but it was like for a guy that they were like theoretically upset with, maybe um, unless the ugly duckling things was like an elaborate work shoot thing. Uh, I don't know. They, they certainly, if they were mad at him, it seems like they forgave him. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is, you know, he probably didn't get paid the same. He would as if he, if he worked the matches, if he worked the shows, so he's probably getting like an appearance fee, but not uh, the full amount that he's used to getting on these weekends. So it might have been more punishment in that way. But yeah, he he looked better on these shows than he has in a while. So it was like <laughs> right, it was right. not punishment from that perspective. Yeah. I thought this was cool. The only weird thing I thought was that the end did the super collider like Authors of Pain do, which I think is a really signature spot for them. So I, it's not the one that I would choose to do. But uh, they are big and strong, and it looked cool. But it, I was eh, on it as I watched it. Uh, the next match was the no rope break match between Matt Riddle and Fred Yehi. Riddle wins with the bro mission. Uh, we talked a lot about the no rope break stip on the last show. How did you think it played out in this match? I thought it worked really well here. I thought that this was a really good, really physical match. I thought it did feel kind of like a fight. Um, and I think it also helped the crowd help this one, telling Fred Yehi to, you know, show us the feet. And uh, he was a sweetie and he obliged, which is like credit to Fred Yehi for being like, like a dude who wrestles in shoes all the time. Like imagine like you were like a teacher or you as a lawyer, like all of a sudden the judge was like, you should just take your shoes off and do your job as normal. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm just going to do this bare, like, or like, I don't know. Or if you were like a job that like actually involved physical labor, like if you were like a garbage man and they were, you know, all of a sudden your boss was like, yeah, just like take your shoes off right now and do this job barefoot. And Fred, yeah, I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. Like it was kind of a snarky, shitty thing for the crowd to do, but he took it like a champ and took his shoes off and got a big pop and had a great match that was just like intense and physical. Um, so I thought that that this was, yeah, this was really good. Um, I thought that uh, the one thing I would say though, is I hope that they, I thought a lot about rope breaks during these shows and, and after, and I think I'm for Matt Riddle, not using them in his matches, but I'm like against them getting rid of rope breaks entirely. Cause I think that they do, like if you watch like Zack Sabre jr. Work or people, anyone who like relies on submissions, like, you know, rope breaks are a great way to build drama. And it's like the like the cool thing about wrestling, I think, is that it's like genetically modified sports, right? Like you can, there are no, like, you don't have, you never have to have like a boring, like eight to three blowout in pro wrestling, right? Because you can make it as like exciting and dramatic as you want. And if you have a submission wrestler, like those near falls are a great way of doing that. And And I don't know, like, that's one reason pro wrestling is like better than the UFC. So I don't know why you would take out something that can add drama for, for, you know, all of your wrestlers. So that's, that's after thinking it through more, my take is I'm cool with them not doing it for like some matches as like, like the Matt Riddle special match, but I'd be, I think it'd be a mistake to just get rid of rope breaks all together. Yeah, I thought it worked in both of these matches for Matt Riddle mm-hmm. this weekend. I enjoyed it. It was something different, and it helped. It lets them tell a story in a different way. So I'm cool with that. My main problem with this match was so Riddle has this great mini doc I talked about on the last show about how he 
has just been focusing on saying bro and getting over. And then the first thing he does is get the mic and say bro uh, before this match. And so we have this this story of that they'd wrestled uh, you know, twice before and split. And then Riddle wins here. But what is what's the story? What is Riddle overcoming? He's just Riddle. Like that was I thought about that too as he was like, you know, oh, like I got to get more intense. Like I was just focused on getting over. And then he like starts the match by walking out. He walks around the ring. He gives everybody pounds. He's like in it, and you're just like, I don't know. Yeah, it was. He lost. He lost the two matches last time. I don't know. I felt like that should probably continue so that he could overcome something and get an actual babyface, like a legitimate babyface run. Or he like changes his behavior and he comes out and just walks straight to the ring and has like sort of a new sure. sense of intensity where he's, you know, really ready to go. I don't know. Yeah, it just didn't. It would be better if they like the story and the actions in the ring sort of uh, connected a little bit better. Right, because he. He wanted this no rope break match to show that he could beat Fred Yehi. And he got it. And he beat him. And it really felt like he was putting Yehi behind him. But, like, to what end? I, I don't understand what that story is. So I was, I thought the match itself was, was really cool. I liked it a lot. But in the grand scheme of things, I just really didn't get the point of it. The main event was the WWN Championship match with Keith Lee defeating Walter with ground zero. Now, this was a match that we both went into this card really looking forward to, AT, uh, thinking, you know, we're going to get this big hoss fight between two big, powerful dudes. Uh, For me, it didn't really meet those expectations. What about you? No, me neither. I mean, it was certainly stiff enough. Like, you saw Walter's chest. I mean, they beat the hell out of each other. But it just didn't feel like it was super compelling, I guess. Or it didn't, it did. It wasn't like, it was good. But it never, like, got to that, um, that level that you'd like it to. It was, it was a letdown, I think. And, and I think people said it was really good. But it, it didn't seem like it was getting the buzz. It felt like the match had less buzz after it happened than there was buzz for it going into it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it was kind of a weird choice, the way they decided to lay out this match, where Walter really controlled the large majority of the match, and Keith Lee was selling, and then Lee kind of has a couple of comebacks, and then boom, he hits his finish. And I don't know, I guess you know we were talking earlier, and you were saying, well, you know, if he's going to, if Walter's going to lose twice this weekend, he's got to look really competitive in this match. I appreciate that, but I don't know. It just wasn't a, for me, it wasn't a compelling story. Like if Keith Lee is the biggest, baddest guy in Evolve, why can this other guy come in who's not really a regular uh, member of the promotion and beat him down for 90% of the match? Yeah, well, I don't know. By the same token, like Riddle and and Lee are this promotion's guys and or two of their three big guys. And if they were going to be, he was going to be wrestling both of them in the same weekend. Like, I don't know. I think my initial point is correct. Like I, it makes sense where, why you would want, you know, if you're like, 
you had so you had to beat Walter twice, and if you had to beat him twice, like you had to make him at least look like keep him looking strong. Yeah, it just like wasn't what I wanted. Sure, that's fair. After the match, AR Fox comes out. He reminds Keith Lee that he has held several titles in Gabe promotions and was the first Evolve champion. And he says it's his destiny to become WWN champion. At that point, uh, Fox's crew surrounds Keith Lee. Lee basically uh, kills them all uh, with the quickness. And then he tries to come after AR Fox, but Fox uses his wife, Ayla, to uh, shield him. And that's pretty much that's kind of how we how we end up with the weekend. But we're pointing toward an AR Fox Keith Lee match, which I thought this was really smart to immediately show that AR Fox is at the top of the promotion. When we're talking about this hierarchy that we discussed at the beginning of the show, we immediately know where AR Fox is positioned. Even though he worked uh, one of the early matches on this card, we know that going forward he's a top guy. Yeah, well, I guess my one concern is that. I hope that AR Fox is here to stay because in the past we've seen kind of things like this where sort of a big indie name comes into the promotion. He wins his first two matches on a weekend. He gets a title shot and then he loses and then he leaves and he's gone forever. So well, I he hope- did have the little video on Twitter where he talked about how he was here to stay, whatever that. Okay, means. cool. Awesome. Great. All right. Yeah. Then I hope that this is just like making it clear that this is going to be a top guy for the next yeah six or 12 or however many months. I think that was on Sunday night. He had a little video on Twitter. So I I mean, Gabe has used him in the past. I have no clue what their relationship is, but you know, Gabe might like him. And well, AR Fox was working Lucha underground, Mm -hmm. which I don't keep up with, but I have some sense that maybe it's finishing up. Sure. So, you know, maybe it is time for AR Fox to start working elsewhere and yeah. Cool little fit. So yeah. maybe that's what we'll get. Yeah. I think the, they had like a pretty high profile falling out in like 2014, but obviously they've since patched things up. Right. But is, is Keith Lee a baby face now? Yeah. I mean, he was always a baby face. Yeah. But didn't it seem like they were putting like a harder edge on him in the riddle? Yeah. But he was still a baby face. He's a baby face with an edge, but he was never like a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like, he's lost the edge now, right? I think he still has it. Even if he like got beat up a lot in that match and like got attacked. I don't know. I feel like he still has his edge. But Fox, they're definitely positioning Fox as a heel. Yes, that, so that's for sure. If that's the, if the direction is Fox and Lee for at least one match, I guess it makes sense. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. All right. Evolve 97, we've pretty well talked about our overall thoughts on these shows, so I don't, I don't think that's super important. We can get right into the card. Uh, we started again with the preliminary matches. Uh, Dominic Garini comes back and takes on Craig Mitchell, 
who we saw at a prior Evolve show, but he was not on uh, Evolve 96. And Garini defeats Mitchell again with the Mighty Mouse move, the German suplex into the cross arm breaker. Um, not much to this match, so I don't have any strong takes on it. Anything more from you on this, AT? No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quick and fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the end came out and attacked Garini. And they made a point on commentary. Well, they, they laid out both guys, but they made a point on commentary that Catchpoint was not yet in the building, which seems interesting. But uh, made me think, hmm, are we looking at a a trios match down the road? Uh, the end versus some version of Catchpoint, but including Garini? Yeah, I think that would, that would be cool. And uh, yeah, I think that... I, and I also like the little... the. Nice job by the commentators to be like, oh, yeah, Catchpoint isn't here yet. So that's no, that's yeah. why they're not out to save him. So I thought that was a nice touch. And, uh, yeah, puts over the end as guys who are, like, calculating and picking their spots. Yes, but I uh, I should not make any predictions about ma- even matchups because I made a prediction between night one and night two that the end would take on uh, the workhorsemen. On night two, like I like, okay, the workhorsemen aren't booked for a match for night two, so they they need opponents. And I said it on Twitter, like, oh, the wrong boys got this one right. And then uh, James Drake replied to me, and he just said, hashtag wrong boys. (laughs) (laughs) When after the match didn't happen, so thanks, James. I appreciate that, big man. Uh, Okay, Matt Nix and Stevie Fierce get the win over Brandon Watts. And Stephen Wolf, uh, Nick's got the pin after a little double uh, or you know a tag team move that Nick's and uh, and Stevie Fierce did together. Well, Fierce first did the unprettier, which is his normal finish, but then uh, Nick's did a moonsault deal after the unprettier and got the pin. Long way of explaining that. Uh, again, I thought Fierce and Nick's didn't get a whole lot of offense. Fierce did, again, did a good job of making the other guys look good, but they just didn't get anywhere near uh, enough chance to shine here. But I thought the Unprettier and the little segment right before that outside of the ring looked good where, when he got a chance to do some offense. So I enjoyed that. But I thought, uh, I don't know. I wrote down that I thought Wolf stood out the most, but like looking back and just from my recollections, I remember really liking Brandon Watts in this match. So hard for me to say. Who did you think stood out the most? I don't know. I, I didn't like this much. I thought it was kind of like sloppy and disjointed. Like there was a, like Wolf fell while walking the ropes, stumbled off walking the ropes. Like there was a moment where there was like Brandon Watts was going for like kind of like a leg drop thing on Fierce while, he, while Fierce was standing. And like, I don't know who was on, but he completely missed. And like the commentary had to sort of do a, a classic pro wrestling you know, uh, it looks like he didn't get all of that one, you know. But they waited uh, to make sure that uh, he didn't get the pinfall. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, yeah, there, it just didn't seem – it was cool to see um, the freelance lads uh, sort of like kind of leaning more into, you know, kind of a chicken shit heel gimmick. But it seems like they haven't totally figured it out yet. Uh, yeah, it just felt like, yeah, this one didn't really come together from in in my eyes. Yeah, it was definitely sloppy. Uh, I would like to see, just because I've seen him do good stuff in freelance, I'd like to see 
Stevie Fierce get a shot at a singles match in one of these prelim matches and see how it goes. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. The last of the preliminary matches, uh, Jared 120 takes on Jason Kincaid. And this is what I was referring to earlier. They paid off the, the time limit stip uh, quickly here. And uh, these guys work to a draw, which I didn't care for the match itself. But this was a perfect way of showing the tiers and how the hierarchy works in this promotion. Now we know that uh, Jared and Kincaid are on the exact same level. And we've seen that Kincaid keeps falling down the card. And uh, Jared uh, emerges as the top of uh, the guys who have worked singles preliminary matches. So very good job of, of delineating people here. Yeah, and I thought that this was good. Like, I liked it. I thought it was a good, like, sort of babyface versus heel match. I like Jarek's, like, escape under the ring. Um, it was fun. And I thought that the, um, you know, Kincaid fired up at the end and was going through for a flurry of moves as the time limit ran out. Like, that was compelling and exciting, you know? And it sort of, like, shows his continued frustration of, like, almost having, you know, the compassionate release locked in for the win and the time runs out. Um, yeah, I like this. I thought it was... I think it was my favorite match of this night's prelims. And, uh, yeah, I especially, I especially enjoyed the end. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I just I just don't get the Jared. Like, it's he worked the same match he worked the night before. All the exact same spots. They're all contrived. Eh, I don't know. Just don't like the guy. Um, the first match on the main card, we see... Shane Mercer and Kyle the Beast move up onto the featured card and take on the workhorsemen in the opening match. Uh, what did you think about this match, AT? I thought this was really good. This was like a good, solid tag team match. Um, Mercer is so strong, and he looked great here. Um, it was it was just good action. It was you know they had kind of like you know. They had some good near falls with Drake breaking up the uh, the assault and and uh... no no yeah 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 it was like yeah and the assault and battery after Mercer like rolled through a cross body and then hit it and then Drake broke up the pinfall and that was awesome um, that was a great moment in the match yeah I thought this is everything clicked in this I thought it was like after it was over you were like that was a really you know I didn't come in with super high expectations um, and. It, I came out of it being like, oh, yeah, that was a really satisfying uh, tag team match. Yeah, one thing that I really liked about this match was they did a great job of escalating Drake's offense, which is something I've seen in his singles matches, and there hadn't been as much of it in his tag matches in Evolve, but this was it, where he really plays the big hoss throughout the beginning of the match, builds up and builds up. Then when he hits that moonsault, uh, as a climax of the match, I find that really effective. And that worked here. I thought that was a great way to go. Yeah, Shane Mercer looked great, too. Uh, this was cool, and I'm, I mean, I expect at this point to see Mercer and KTB back next time, and I'm looking forward to it. Okay, the next match was AR Fox defeating DJZ. Uh Again, mixing his finishers with low main pain and then a little brain buster afterward. I thought this was another good way. I'll, I'll just keep talking about this of setting up the hierarchy. So 
We saw the night before that DJZ can hang with Zach, but isn't good enough to beat him. But now we know that Fox is good enough to beat DJZ. So it makes sense when Fox was, uh, you know, challenging essentially Keith Lee the night before. We find out now that he's legit. Like he he might be on that level because we know that he's better than the guy who can match up with Zach but can't quite beat him. So I think this is a really good way of putting Fox right below Zach and Lee and uh, giving us a reason to believe that Fox was going to be a credible challenger for uh, for Keith Lee. For sure. And I, I really enjoyed this, I thought. Because it's funny, because it's like now that Evolve is moving more towards, you know, the Evolve brand is trying to be sort of hard-hitting and we take our time and we let things think, sink in. And so when you have a match that's just kind of like a mile a minute sort of 2017 indie match where people are doing with lots of athleticism and guys doing cool counters to each other, it stands out. And this this was great. This was just two really coordinated dudes like doing a lot of fun counters and moves. And I loved uh, DJZ doing that like that like sort of like slingshot somersault uh plancha or tope onto ar fox while he was like being carried off by his posse um yeah i thought this was a really fun match this was one of my favorite matches of the weekend our next match was the high stakes three-way and ultimately darby allen would defeat keith lee and tracy williams after hitting the coffin drop on tracy uh, to break up a cross phase yeah keith lee in a cross phase and then locking in the last supper to win not a lot of three ways in this promotion, AT. Uh, did this one make you think, uh, well, we could stand to have more of them, or did you see kind of why they don't normally do them? I can see why they don't normally do them. This was fine, but it, like, honestly, like, except for, like, going through my notes, I have. Sorry, my mic cut out. Uh, on- honestly, like, except for going through my notes, I have, like, no recollection of what happened in this match, really. It was just like nothing stood out. It felt like there was a lot of like sort of the typical three-way spots. I don't know. It it didn't do much for me. It didn't feel like it was particularly long or I don't know. Hmm, I kind of liked it. Really? What did you like about it? Tell the people what you liked about it. Well, it had some of the three-way, like the gimmicks that happen in three-way matches that I really hate, like when everybody suplexes each other and they didn't do a uh, they didn't do a Tower of Doom, which I appreciated at least because that's like my least favorite spot in all of professional wrestling. But overall, they did a cool job, I thought, of mixing everybody in. And, you know, there was none of like somebody laying outside for a year while the right. other guys faced off. They did a cool job, I thought, of, of making that happen. Yeah, and one thing that I want to say now that I think back about it was, like, they did a nice – maybe I was too harsh. They did a nice <laughs> job of, like, when a guy was out of the ring, like, one of them was, like, trying to go for their finish because it was, like, they saw – they were almost like in a video game where, like, you're like, oh, this is my moment. I have to, like, hit my finisher now to win. Right. So they did a nice job of that. So that was that was maybe a little unfair. Yeah, and a, a cool – I mean, an obvious but cool story of Tracy and Darby kind of teaming up at times to take on Keith Lee but then going at each other, you know, not – there was no uh, alliance. It was just when it was necessary, they would 
try to team up with Keith, on Keith Lee, which I appreciate it. And another example of Tracy shining because, uh, from a work perspective, because it was fast paced. And it's just, that's the kind of Tracy match that I personally like. I know a lot of people are really into his normal stuff, and that's cool. Just not my thing. So I thought this was cool. What I did come out of this match with, though, and the mini docs, the videos, is I might be kind of over Keith Lee. Really? Which I know is, I know is quick. It's a hot not, take. Prepare yourself. I know, but it's like just like the smiley – uh, bask in my glory guy. Like, how can I find a way to shoehorn in my catchphrase guy? I'm just like, I'm mad on. Like, his work is really good. Uh, although, he didn't do anything this weekend that, like, blew me away work-wise, you know. He was really great in the two big guys doing really crazy athletic stuff matches. He's been really good in the small guys trying to take him down matches. Um, and he did have a really good match not that long ago with Matt Riddle, which was just like a two-guy stand-up. So he's shown a wide variety of good matches. But I feel like recent, more recently, it's – I don't know. Maybe it's just that I'm over his character, and he's started to bore me in some ways. So it just carries over into the match that I'm, like, not excited to watch his matches. I'm not – it's not compelling to me. So I just – I felt myself – and we've talked about it a little on this show. I felt – like, God, isn't he just kind of a little too goofy sometimes? And as I was watching the matches this weekend, I thought, yeah, I just, that's what he is, and it's not for me. So I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm moving on, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you're being a little bit unfair because you're like, yeah, he's just not doing it for me. And then you named like five great matches he's had in the last <laughs> six months, you know? Sure. Like, and like, I feel like he's had two weekends where he's kind of underwhelmed, right? Like the last man standing match was good, but like wasn't great. And then the net, he was right wrestling Darby and kind of like a match that wasn't designed to be a great match. So I don't know. I'm not like ready, to, but it was only a few months ago that he had that great match against Zack Sabre Jr. in, uh, I guess, Chicago. So it's like, I'm not really ready to quite say that like I'm done with Keith Lee. But um, I see where you're coming from in the sense that the character kind of feels adrift because you're kind of like, I don't know, now now what? Um, yeah. And, and certainly, I mean, his hype train happened so fast that it was just like, you know, unless he could keep wrestling people who were as insanely athletic as Donovan Dijak and Ricochet, you know, every month it was going to be hard to like continue to like reach those peaks on a regular basis. Um, But but I do sort of feel you in the sense that like he has not been um, as consistent as you might like. Is that fair? Yeah. And I'm not trying to really be down on his in ring work, although I wasn't as in love with his matches this weekend. I'm just losing investment in him. Sure, right. They need to consolidate these titles too. Sure. Because it's like yeah, he has this title, but like it's like the weird Matt Riddle and Keith Lee title. It's not like the real championship. It's just like the whoever these guys are wrestling um, right. titles. And I don't know, Matt, now maybe Tracy Williams is going to come after it next. But 
I don't know. Like, it doesn't really yeah. feel like he's like Tracy just had a shot at that title and lost. Um, because yeah, they traded the after the the post match. Lee and Tracy Williams uh traded forearms. Lee knocked him down. Um, then Keith Lee went after Stokely Hathaway, but Jocka attacked him, and then Keith Lee knocked him down, and then you know Chris Dickinson finally ran out and hit a big German suplex on Keith Lee again, making him look like this like cool strong guy who like flaunts the rules, and they they laid out Keith Lee, um, you know. So I thought that that was like, I don't know, I guess if the next direction is like Keith Lee versus Tracy Williams, it's like, I think they had a pretty good match much earlier this year against each other, if I recall correctly, but I just don't really feel like I like need to see this title feud. Yeah, they it, certainly good- doesn't, it certainly doesn't feel like Tracy Williams in kayfabe has earned it. Yeah, no, they had a very cool match, but I agree with you. Uh, of course, if if my hierarchy theory plays out, Dickinson, to me, is the one who's the most elevated in this segment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a Dickinson-Keith Lee program would be really cool. I'd, yeah. be, I'd be there for that. Sure. Absolutely. So we'll see where that goes. But I, I did come out of this thinking, like, uh, Dickinson looks like one of the biggest stars in the company coming out of this weekend. And we saw on... Uh, on a Twitter video, and they they referenced it on the show that Dickinson was being kicked out of the of the building at this point, and you know, kind of refusing to leave. You're not supposed to be here. Maybe there's some future punishment coming toward him for showing up when he wasn't supposed to. And he's like, "Hey, but I got to be here for my man Jaka's match later." So they're like super baby facing him, and it's it's interesting to see this. I mean, Catchpoint was. A vaguely heel stable, um, in my and then a, and then a few months ago it felt like they were making them an even bigger heel stable, and right. then, and then also you had like you know, Tracy Williams kind of like going after Keith Lee after this match, and then Jocka like attacking Lee after, you know, or I guess like Lee went after Stokely, so like kind of I don't know, it's like hard to say, it's kind of muddled, I guess is, yeah, but. You know, the way this show ends and then the way all these Dickinson segments go, it makes them at least seem like baby faces. Yeah, it feels like they should just break up and already, you know? Yeah. Like, we should just do the one final, like, Tracy Williams gets jealous of, like, the other yeah. guys in the group getting more shine than him and, and and like, break them up and have them go their own separate ways. Because it feels like Tracy is a heel and they don't really ha- – it doesn't seem like there's plans for him to be a baby face and it feels like – coming out of this weekend, you know, we'll talk about the main event, but like it's hard to, you know, Jocka is so sympathetic and like, you know, I don't know, someone who's like a big fan of friendship and wrestling. Um, you know, <laughs> I thought that this was, uh, that ruled. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it was a really touching thing to see Chris Dickinson be like, I have to see my friend in his title match, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. Like you ha- kind of have to root for these guys, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, the FIP championship was on the line. And Austin Theory is your new FIP champion after he defeated Fred Yehi with, uh, as as Aaron very brilliantly put it in our rundown, some flinging head drop thing that Lenny Leonard called ataxia. Yeah. And I, I should say that Aaron confirmed with 
Lenny Leonard, that that is the name of the move and that it means chaos. I'm not sure in what language, but it means chaos. So there you go. Theories to new FIP champion. We talked on the preview show about how this could be a kind of a, a mid-card title in this promotion. And it made sense from that perspective to have Theory win it. Um, do you think it's going to keep showing up on these shows? Or how do you think they're going to use this title? You would hope so. I mean, why not? You're trying to elevate Austin Theory. Why not have him come out with a title on that title belt and keep defending it? I mean, yeah. it works a lot better. Again, like I'm... I'm really like banging home the unification gavel, but like it, it makes a lot more sense to have this title as like the second title than it does to have it as like the third singles title. Oh yeah, this company is too small to have three titles. Yeah, and then the tag titles on top of that. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So it's like, no. yeah, that's that's my uh, my take. Uh, I thought this was a this was a good match, and I think it was taken to the next level by uh, Justin Barrasso's. Uh, commentary. <laughs> oh, geez. Hey, did we bury that enough on Twitter that we don't need to bury it on the show? Or Well, there's some people who listen to the show who aren't on Twitter, so you can, you know, we That's can true. talk about it for a moment. I we think we were, more... like, pretty pissed about it. It really, it was a kind of a lot for me. Because, like, we made the joke on our last episode about Sports Illustrated writer Dustin Barrasso, who's always, like, you know, he kind of just, like, I don't know. It's fine. Like he just interviews Gabe and then like writes what Gabe or whatever WWN talent he's interviewing says, which is like fine. Not all journalism needs to be like super adversarial. But then Gabe like tweeted about like how he gets all this great inside information. He's this great reporter that like kind of annoyed me, you know, given, you know, all the things that have happened on this podcast and like all the stuff that we've said about how like it was like kind of like a parody of all of our critiques of the wrestling media. And how, like, no one ever, you know, they never ask hard questions. They never print things people don't want to see. And we made a joke last, you know, last week about how, you know, he's done such a good job as, you know, Evolve's publicist that maybe they'll put him on the payroll. And then lo and behold, he was literally <laughs> the guest commentator on this match, which is just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, if you were, I don't know, maybe it's different because you're online. Who knows if this is a full-time employee of Sports Illustrated or a freelancer or what. But, like, if you worked at the New York Times and you, like, covered the New York Knicks, you were on, like, the Knicks beat at the New York Times, and then you were, like, doing commentary for a Knicks game on MSG, which is, like, owned by the Knicks or whatever, they would fire you. You know, like that would be like a fireable. That would be like they'd be like, "This is a joke. How can you possibly cover uh, this this company in objectively when you're like a part of the company?" So, like, yeah, doing, you know, whether he was paid or not, like he's doing work for the company. I don't know. It was just like you're like it was like one of those moments where you're like, "Why do we even bother with wrestling?" That was like how I felt in the moment. I was like, "This is so stupid." I should do something else with my time. What am I even doing here? Like I, I like had to rewatch the match because I was just so like, I don't know. I was mad online. I've been gotten to. I've been owned. <laughs> you, yeah. Well, you played yourself for sure. I did. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's if you're him. I mean, it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for him. Not bec- not because of doing commentary on this show. Like I think it's totally legit to do 
to be an evolved commentator, uh, but to call yourself a journalist and then get on this show and uh, commentate in kayfabe, which is like, that really annoyed me maybe more than anything. Right, because it's like, are your articles for Sports Illustrated, are they real or are they kayfabe? Right. It's insane. I mean, remember when it came out that, like, the Times owned part of the Red Sox? And it was like, okay, how can the Times, uh, or the company that owns the Times owns part of the Red Sox? It's like, how can the Times objectively cover the Red Sox when their financial uh, futures are tied up in some small way in the Red Sox? So, like, I know that we don't expect that much out of wrestling media. Right. But we should be able to expect that the wrestling media won't be, like, the guest commentator on the shows. <laughs> right. And I this mean, goes all the way, like, all the way to the top. Because it was like Dave Meltzer, remember, he was talking about how he got asked to do exactly. you know, the English commentary for one of the New Japan shows. And he didn't even, he was like, oh, I couldn't, I didn't want to, like, go to Japan or whatever. But, like, it wasn't, like, he wasn't, like... It didn't even strike him why it would be like obviously a conflict of interest for him to do paid commentary for a company that he's supposed to cover objectively. Although in Dave's in Dave's defense, like he supposedly consulted with Flow Slam Mm -hmm. on their whole thing, and then he never talked about Evolve. So (laughs) (laughs) maybe Dave can separate the two. My man. All right. Yeah. Now that we've like been like really bitter and pissy and probably come off kind of like dickhead, like this is kind of a shitty segment from us, but I don't know. It was fun. No, dude. I think it's, I think it's legit. Our tweets were way shittier than this segment was. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we've, we've coined him with a nickname and everything. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. So, so we shouldn't, we should stop bullying because, you know, or like whatever, (laughs) like rude. What if, what if I don't want to make enemies? What if Justin Razzo's parents are racist, though? <laughs> wow. Good, uh, <laughs> good callback. Um, no. Yeah. Anyway, right. that was the reference better. to uh, the... Uh, the Keaton Jones uh, meme. I'm just going to call it a meme at this point. Uh, okay. So the one thing I want to say about this match Yeah, is... it was a good match. Sorry we deviated, yeah. but it was a good match. And like I was talking about earlier, you know, in the last match, Priscilla wanted Austin Theory to do the Super Theory KO, led to him losing. In this match, uh, Yehai kicks out of the TKO, the Theory KO, and Priscilla Kelly then gets involved in the match to swing it in Austin Theory's direction. Theory breaks out this new finish. And I think it really shows, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say hierarchy again. Uh, I think it shows that Theory is not above Yehi necessarily just because he won this match. Uh, it really depends on Priscilla Kelly's involvement. I mean, it kind of puts him below Yehi in a way and uh, sets him up as sort of a, a paper champion that uh, is really at risk of losing in the future, which is a cool, cool story. You know, I hope they don't go down the road of like, Priscilla Kelly is banned from ringside for some future match, but you can play with that cliche a little bit and uh, see how that works with Austin Theory. For sure. Yeah. And it was good, Matt. I like the story of like Fred Yehi mostly being in control and Austin Theory, you know, putting together his big moves. And, you know, after the 
theory, you know, and having to find a new finisher after the theory KO got kicked out of twice, you know, on consecutive nights. Um, so yeah, this, this was a nice little match, a good story and, you know, good win for Austin theory that sets us up for some interesting things moving forward. I can't hear you. I think you may be, you may have muted yourself. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Still muted. The next, I was talking though. The next match was Matt Riddle and Walter Riddle comes out. And once Walter is out, he challenges Walter to make this into a no rope break match. Uh, just like his match the night before Walter acquiesces and uh, Matt Riddle ultimately defeats Walter uh, in a really, this is when I was completely sold on this was that they did this interesting finish where Matt Riddle defeated, defeated Walter uh, by a ref stoppage with uh, elbow strikes. I thought that was a really cool finish and um, it got me, I thought the match was okay. And then that really got me in on the match. I know it was the finish, but I was like, okay, I changed my mind. This ruled. Yeah, it was fun. It was like fun and fast paced. It was kind of like all their matches are kind of like short and to the point, you know, and just uh, two dudes going at it. And yeah, so I thought this was a, I don't have like a lot. I don't have like a lot to say about it, but I thought that it was, um, it was really good. All right, let's get to the good one. Uh, The main event for the Evolve Championship, Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Jaka with a submission hold. Um, Just, I said it on Twitter, other than Okada Omega matches this year that that come to top of mind, uh, just a great series. This was a great finish to their uh, trio of matches. The chemistry between these guys, uh, something I did not foresee, but something that just rules. Uh, Zach has taken on this uh, harder edge. I know I've said that like eight times on the show. And Jaka is uh, so good at selling that it uh, makes the matches just great. And But the, the kicker of the match for me is at the end, Jaka looks completely destroyed that he's lost to Saber. And Saber oh, stomping on him as he walks over. Yeah. Dickhead. Oh, this was just excellent. This was just great. You know, because it's like, that's why I watch all this stuff is for moments like in this match when, you know, Jaka is in one of Saber's submissions and he's grimacing and he's going for the ropes. And you're just like, I did, there was a moment in the match where I was like, oh man, I didn't realize that I wanted it like this whole time, but I like really, 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 really want Jaka to win right now. And that's like why I love all this. Like, you can have a million, you know, four star great move matches, but like for me, what I really love is like getting caught up in the moment and like just really wanting this dude with a desperate look on his face to like get out of the submission and keep fighting. I, I just I thought it was great. Um, I know you probably love the moment of uh, Jaka getting his leg worked over and and uh, and selling on offense. Quick, oh, easy, hell, easy oh, hell, yeah. Aaron Bentley. <laughs> Chris Dickinson coming out in the middle of the match, knowing that he's probably going to get suspended again for breaking the rules to to slap his buddy in the face and get him back into the match. Uh, it was just excellent. I mean, these guys have great, you said it, they have great chemistry. It was a great story. Jocka's facials were just so good. He's such a sympathetic 
baby face and when he no sells and he fires up and hits his German suplex, you're just like, it just was great. It was a great, it was, it was excellent. I mean, it was just like, I think I, I think the first match is still my favorite, but this was just like as a three match trilogy, this was just a great story. And that's why, that's what it is for me. It's like, it's all about storytelling when I, when I watch this stuff and this was just a great, you know, six month story that they told with these two guys. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, I hope that other people see these matches because I think that people who don't watch this promotion don't know like how good Jaka can be and how, like how well he plays this baby face role and how good these matches are. Like for instance, like if you listen if you guys, I don't know if people listen to the voices of wrestling flagship, um, Last week, like when Rich and Joe were going over the card, Rich was kind of like, "Oh, you got Jock and ZSJ." I don't, I don't really know. You know, it was kind of like dismissive of it. Um, and I think we were kind of dismissive of the match um, going into the first one back in June. Um, but yeah, if you've seen these, if you've seen the first two matches in the series, like you would know not to be dismissive of it. And yeah, it was this was this was just really good and really satisfying. And um, yeah. I loved it. Great, great work to everyone involved. I mean, had the whole, you know, it was well booked. It was well wrestled. You know, Dickinson was great. Every on the outside, the story was great. It was just, yeah, it's good when wrestling works. It was funny too because, like, early in the show, I was like, "This is so dumb. Why do I like have a wrestling podcast? Like, I should like find literally any other hobby. <laughs> like, why bother with this?" And then this match, I was like, "Oh yeah, like wrestling's cool and good." It was definitely cool and good here. And I would just want to, again, combat your star rating slander by saying that the drama of this match is what made it a highly rated match. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I went four and a quarter on this. I thought it was excellent. Just really, I loved uh, just about everything about it. So uh, the end comes out at the at the end uh, to square off with catch point. Looks like that might be a, a direction, uh, some sort of, feud between the end and catch point Dickinson seems to be winning the the fight uh again looking like a total badass but uh, Drennan hits him with a chair and turns the tables I wasn't real keen on these guys using chairs since they should just kind of be like big destroyer types but the end of this where uh they were destroying Jaka's knee which was injured already by Zach in the in the match uh, while holding Dickinson and making him watch. I was really into this. Like I really thought it looked good and it looked savage and Dickinson and Jocka both sold it brilliantly. Yeah. But you know, Jock is getting his knee bashed in while the other two guys are holding Dickinson back and he's trying to get, uh, yeah, this is a great angle. This the it last was. like however many minutes of the show from the main event through the end it was like this is good this is the good shit yeah it was great <laughs> you know and ultimately uh, Dickinson stands tall at the end of the show uh, gets in a dive and I I mean I don't think we're just wrong boys in it here and seeing this where it is and I think Dickinson comes out of the these shows as one of the biggest stars in the company yeah you would think so. Hopefully they'll, you know, continue with it. But yeah, it's like they I feel like I don't know. They have something here with Jock and Dickinson. Yeah. 
They, they yeah. definitely do. And we've talked about it a million times. These are guys who aren't big stars elsewhere. Like, Evolve can really run with these guys and make them their guys. And not that they aren't successful elsewhere, but this is where they are the biggest deal. And uh, I would love to see Evolve run with them and make them uh, more featured talents on these shows. Okay, on-air decision time, AT. We've gone very long already. Yeah. Uh, Do we want to continue with our year-end awards or hold these off for perhaps a a short special show? You know what? At first I was like, we should do them now. But now I'm like, we've been doing this a long time. It's It's getting late. 940 here. Happy Hanukkah at all. We're recording uh, Tuesday night, first night of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to uh, all of our followers, uh, listeners rather, who celebrate. Um, We are, you know, we're glued to the TV watching these Alabama special election results. Um, So, yeah, I I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like time to bring it home and we can do a nice, you know, maybe people are going home for, you know, they're coming back from Christmas break or, you know. You know, you know, maybe you're like hanging around hungover January 1st and maybe, you know, we give you a little like just like a 20 minute or 30 minute year in review, a little a little snackable content <laughs> and uh, and do that. What do you think? Do you want to do it now or do you want to kind of just do something short a little later? No, I think we'll give it short shrift right now based on the yeah. time and everything that's going on. So I think it'd be better if we can split this up and. uh little short show for people to enjoy, hopefully, over the uh, long holiday season that begins tonight. Yeah. All right. I think that's the decision. So we're going to close up here. We will be back. Uh, we're literally planning this as we talk right now, so I'm not quite sure when this year in review show is going to come, but we'll hit it, hit you with it uh, sometime around the end of the year or the beginning of 2018. So look forward to that. Uh, And, of course, we'll be back in January for the next Evolve shows, January 13th in Queens, January 14th in Brooklyn. Timothy Thatcher returns to Evolve. Oh, yeah. The king is back. That's right. And Walter will also be back on those shows. So something to look forward to. And, of course, we'll be back uh, sometime right before the show in Queens. We'll be back with a preview of the January shows. So. Just want to remind everyone that we are proud members of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, which you can find at VoicesOfWrestling.com. You can subscribe to the full network or subscribe just to Everything Evolves, the podcast network of your choice. No, that's wrong. On the podcast app of your choice, uh, particularly iTunes. You can find us there. I'm supposed to get us on Google Play. I just remembered. I haven't done that yet, but I will get us on Google Play. So if you use that service, you can get us. Make sure to follow us at EvolvePod. I'm at Aaron like the car. Aaron Taub is at AP Taub. Anything you want to add before we go, AT? Uh, No, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. For Aaron, I'm Aaron. See you next time. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You should be saving for the future, but savings accounts suck, and investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers 4 to 6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit stairsapp.com today.